Laura. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Now, today might be the day that you record the most memorable Ideal Remake that you have ever recorded in your entire life. But for me, it's just Sunday. So Alex, is Street Fighter a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Um, kind of? I think it should be remade. Yeah. I genuinely do. Yeah, it's fun. It was a fun movie. It was a bad movie, but it was a fun bad movie. Oh, yeah. So, you and I were both at Halloween parties last night. Separate Halloween parties. Yes. But equal. Separate but equal (laughs) Halloween parties. (laughs) And I definitely was having a conversation just about the podcast and how I watched Street Fighter. And it's like supposedly a bad movie, but about Mm -hmm. how we had a really good time watching this movie at my halloween party i did talk to someone about this and her reaction to me saying i had to watch street fighter was a massive groan and i was like you know there are much worse movies including the other ones that we watched for this podcast you and i have watched some real stinkers oh my god this was so much better than assassin's creed (laughs) it was so much better than assassin's creed i enjoyed it more than i enjoyed pixels yes more than pixels more than angry birds yeah and i think you and i enjoyed angry birds but i think it helped that we were just happy to be another human was there yeah that was more of a pandemic mode like i can't remember a yeah. word for this and then uh mortal Kombat was different i think i enjoyed this more than mortal Kombat. i don't think i enjoyed this more than mortal Kombat, but mortal Kombat has some nostalgia for me that's fair and i know the game of mortal Kombat way more than i know the game of street fighter yeah i was thinking about that in the big three of mortal Kombat, street fighter and tekken i played tekken because that's just the machine that was at the places we went to that's fair and I don't even know if there is a Tekken movie. I assume they tried. There is, but I think it's animated. Oh. There's a bunch of animated Street Fighter movies, too. I'm sure. That was a problem when I was doing research. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this movie was super fun. Yeah, I had a good time with it. it I mean... Obviously, Raul Julia is amazing, and everyone talks about his performance yes, in this. Yes, he was fantastic, and Jean-Claude Van Damme was a terrible American, but he was a lot yeah. of fun. Like, who decides to be like, oh, Jean-Claude Van Damme? You're the American we've been looking for. <laughs> the most American guy that's ever America. The muscles from Brussels. From America this time. <laughs> he didn't even try with an accent either. He was just... I think that was him trying. Do you think so? Yeah! I think that was just his regular voice and they were just like, stop trying. Just use your regular voice. Dyed his hair blonde, lived the dream. <laughs> it, that was so weird. Plus the fact that they made him kind of the main character and not like Ken or Ryu. It was a pretty... not with Ryu, like the person who's supposed to be the main character. Yeah, I feel like it was a good ensemble. Yes. between Chun Li, Guile, and then Ken Ryu's weird little plot line going on. They yeah. all got a fair amount of screen time between those three. It, you know what? Whoever did the work of making this movie, like the writer, the director, I think they did a good job. Somebody had a lot of love for this movie. Oh yeah, and even when. Um, we were, like, getting to the end of the movie, and they were fighting, and they were getting, like, battle damage. Like, people were getting cut and scraped and damaged where the characters in the video game have scars or painting and sort of thing. Like, Like, E. Honda had blood on his, like, face to look like the paint that he uses. Yeah, and, like, Zangief was covered in scars, like, all over, like, the character Zangief is. Yeah. And it, it was great. Like, this movie was clearly made by people who love Street Fighter. Yeah. And I'm sorry that it probably didn't do especially well, but... I mean, it was at a time when I'm not sure how many people were flocking to see a Street Fighter movie. So, what do you think the budget for the movie was? Oh, God. For a 1994 movie? Yeah. Maybe 20 million? That's a decent guess. Okay. The budget is 35 million. I was really close. I thought I was going to be way off. Yeah. Like, I thought your guess was really good. And then opening weekend was 6.8 million. Oof. Gross in the US and Canada was 33 million, but Oof. worldwide was 99 million. Okay, so it made its money back. Yeah, even with advertising, it did make money, but I could see how it wasn't successful enough for them to be like, but again. Plus, yeah, Bison died. Yeah, it would have been. You can't. We're going to do it, but he can't recast Raul Julia. Yeah, they could have done, like, Akuma shows up, who's the other bad guy, who's basically, like, a big evil version of Ryu. Great. But I didn't even 
like think about that. Like it would take leaps and bounds to figure out how to make that happen. What is interesting is clearly you've played these video games. A little bit. I, I know the I've played Street Fighter Two a little bit because it's a classic game. And then I've followed like I've played a little bit of Street Fighter Four or whichever <laughs> one was on the DS and a little bit of just like little bits here and there. So what you're saying is Marvel vs. Capcom confirmed? Marvel vs. Capcom is a great game. I, be- I yeah, that I think game I played is a little bit. And, but like it's these characters fighting Iron Man and the Hulk. Yeah, pretty much. And then there's a couple of other like Mega Man's there. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I didn't even think about that when talking about this movie. But anyway, we're gonna definitely get some people involved in the Avengers initiative. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. I don't know about you, but I pulled a lot of people from those kinds of movies. I pulled exactly one. Ooh, we can have different lists. Yes, we are. <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. But, the, the so the movie as it exists is basically like, uh, Bison is running an evil country and is trying to take over the world and has a bunch of hostages. And he then, wants to make his country into a giant mall, too. That yeah, was like a whole point. That are shaped like his skull with wings insignia. It's like, yeah. I'm the good guy. Skull with skulls wings. Skulls everywhere. There's clearly the baddies. So many skulls. <laughs> like, long before the David Mitchell, uh, uh, the Mitchell and Webb sketch where it's Are We the Baddies, it's literally, We're the good guys covered in skulls. And Zangief at the end of the movie goes, Are we the bad guys? Yes. And then DJ's like, yeah, Yeah, of course. (laughs) Obviously. Why are you working for bad guy? Because he paid me so much money. You get paid? (laughs) That Uh, was one of my favorite lines. It was so good. Such a great delivery. Amazing. But anyway, so then uh, Guile, the uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme character, the American hero. Yeah, the American military director. Is dead set on taking down Bison. Because America is so good at taking down dictators and definitely not establishing them. Anyway. We're very good at both. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we're okay at one of them. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So basically just like that's the movie. And then Ken and Ryu are arms dealers. Like <laughs> like low-key arms dealers. Like they're not at the top of the arms dealer game. They're yeah. just like sort of working the middle their middleman. Arms yeah. dealers, basically. And they kind of get roped up into this. And then Guile pulls them aside and goes... I know you guys aren't as bad as some of them. And they're like, I guess. So basically, Ken, Ryu, Guile, Chun-Li, the reporter, played by Ming-Na Wen, who was excellent. She was excellent. She was doing her own thing the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they all had the common goal of they hated M. Bison for question mark, question mark, question mark, for the most part. Ming-Na Wen, we knew. Yeah. Because he, like, killed her dad. Yes. And then Ken and Ryu didn't. They were just like, well, we get that he's, like bad and i get like ryu has like this shift later in the movie where he's like no you don't understand we have to do the right thing and ken's like since (laughs) when that is not what we do that was a great moment though where they split up it made no sense character wise it was the only character arc in the movie where ryu just changes his mind but that was a fun moment yeah and then ken tries to go save him at the end because he sees ryu's about to get like uh beat up by Vega and Sagat. Yeah, they were gonna, like, team up and... Or, they were already a team, but they yeah. were, like, taking him on two-on-one. Vega was an interesting character. I did not recast Vega. Oh, I did, but vaguely recast. I'll put it that Fair way. Fair enough. But it's one of those things where, like, you think of the character Vega from the video game, and he's the dude in the mask. And you, he, he shows up. a mask. And he's wearing a mask, and you're like, okay. And then he takes the mask off, and you're just like, that is a very pretty dude. Yeah, he takes the mask off within, like, three seconds of wearing the mask. We yeah. barely see Vega in a mask in this Which movie. is a shame. It's th- it's a mistake, honestly. Oh, absolutely. But it's also one of those things where it's like, you cast someone who's that pretty, and you're like, we get that we should be able to see this face. You don't cast someone with this face if you don't get to see it. Well, then cast someone without that face. I agree. That's just what it comes down well, to. Well, that's exactly me. it. Like, I just kind of want, like, generic stunt guy. Yeah, that's that's me too. Okay, great. I'll put Perfect. it that way. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, so, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Yeah, so there is no character development of anybody in no. this entire movie. No, everybody's got one ideal and they just stick with it the whole time. Yeah, it's just like, we have now reached this conclusion. Let's see what happens. And then it's fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. I mean, they butcher some of the characters. Like, Cammy is uh, not a strong warrior in this. She's a secretary. Of She's some kind. essentially a military secretary who it just is like completely devoted to Guile. Who I assumed they had some sort of romantic interest. And at the end of the movie, he like basically asks out Chung Lee. 
No, Chun-Li asks him out. Oh, is that what happens? Yeah. She asks him to, for a one-on-one interview. A one-on-one interview. interview, and he's like, I will if you show up in that outfit. Yeah, which is real creepy. And that he, like, did that immediately after, like, wiping a tear off of Cammy's face. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's gross. It, it's very weird. And Cammy's clearly, like, in love with him. Clearly. Yeah. But in the games, Cammy's is supposed to be uh, M. Bison's top assassin. Is she? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they flip a couple of the allegiances of characters. Because I think of Cammy, I still think of Cammy as being in the military outfit. She's she's a but British M- MI6 oh, agent, but, but M. Bison has like taken her over or something like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm into that. Her and Balrog are the two that they flip the allegiances entirely because Balrog's supposed to be also uh, a M. Bison guy. The boxer. Got it. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Whatever, I guess. Yeah, it... Honestly, all weird names. the story of Street Fighter doesn't matter. No, there is... yeah, no, none of it matters. I think what my... So my goal for this is to throw out both the plot of Street Fighter and the plot of Street Fighter the movie and basically start from scratch. Sure, that makes sense. Because, like, the others exist. It's hard to make a video game movie. It's very hard to make a video game movie. And, but, and the true successes, like, we can all agree... Sonic and Detective Pikachu see that there's a plot and occasionally will reference it, but mostly they do their own thing. Yeah, they're not about what the games, like, say that they're about. And off, and sometimes that works. What yeah. it doesn't is you get something like Assassin's Creed. Yep. Or the newest Mortal Kombat. I liked the new Mortal Kombat. I thought it was fine. It's fine. But they, I, they didn't do Mortal Kombat. That's true. They that, didn't that do Mortal Kombat. That was the problem with it. So here's my biggest issue with Street Fighter the movie. Mm-hmm. They not once do they ever fight in a street. That is true. They only fight in compounds. Yeah. And it's like, it's a movie called Street Fighter. There has to be street fighting. There's zero street fighting in this movie. It's like, that's the whole, that you, that's the name of the movie. <laughs> so that's my, of everything, that's my biggest beef with Street Fighter. See, I would have given them a pass if at one point someone said, hey, it's like a street fight out here or something like that, just to Not say once. the name. Like, the biggest street fight that they have is when there's, like, the jailbreak and Ken and Ryu are, like, helping Bal- uh, 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 Sagat, and, Sagat Vega. and Vega escape and he, like, shoots Guile, who's wearing some sort of vest. And <laughs> forgot they used guns, these street fighters. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to have that. And he, like, shoots Guile, and he's like, oh my god, Guile's dead! And, like, that is technically a scuffle in a street, but they didn't street fight. He shot a gun at some guy. Yeah, he shot a gun from a moving vehicle at a dude. Yeah. I, you can't you can't call that a street fight. No, it wasn't If a anything, that's fight. a drive-by. And if anything, it was also on a dirt road, too, so it wasn't even a street. That's true. That's a, that's road fighters at best. Road fighters. Yeah, so we need we need some street fights, is what I'm saying. I'd be on board with some street fights in the movie, absolutely. So, like, you you and I both said prior to recording, we kind of came in with ideas. A little bit, yes. What, what were some of the ideas that you had in terms of, like, remaking this movie? So I thought of it like everyone should have their own reason for wanting to fight Bison. And everyone has to fight each other for the, not the honor, but, like, the misunderstanding that they're all trying to fight Bison. That's fun. That's kind of what my thought was. yeah. I think that's reasonable. In my head, I kind of have this as a combination with the Mortal Kombat movie. Okay. The one where they, like, have tattoos, and they go defeat someone, and they get the tattoo, and that unlocks their power. Yep. And Umbrella Academy. And Umbrella Academy. Yeah. So, my pitch is that Bison is... Because they allude to it a little bit in the movie here, is that Bison's basically just, like, a man of science. Mm-hmm. But, like, with no moral compass. Like, right. he makes Blanca in the movie. He does all this other crazy science stuff. He, like, manipulates and, and changes his own body. Gives himself flight and lightning powers. And a, a defibrillator in his suit. And a defibrillator <laughs> in his suit. Plus whatever happened at the end in the in the post credit scene. Oh, yeah, I forgot about where, the Where, like, the battery scene. turns back on or something. Yeah. And punches through. He's coming back. He's coming back, except that he died. Yeah, it was too bad. Yeah. Rest he, in peace, his performance is so good. It's really fun. Yeah. But again, everyone does an amazing job. But, like, everyone does a great job. He does an excellent job. Yeah, he's... Everybody's having a good time out there. Yeah, very like, much he's so. He's having the best time. Also true. This is, like, his signature moment, and everyone else is like, this is just a stepping stone for me. Yeah. It was great. And but bas- So, basically, what I kind of want is... I want Bison to be someone who's been, like, taking kids and, like... 
like, I want there to be, like, dark backstory to the movie, and then the movie itself is fun. Sure. So the dark backstory is that, like, Bison has been trying to create the ultimate soldier, which is kind of what he was doing in this movie. But he's been testing and doing different things to different kinds of kids all over the world. He's been, like, kidnapping and doing experiments, but when it doesn't go right, he kind of tosses the kid aside. And now here we are, 20 years later, 20, 30 years later, and all of these characters are those kids who have now grown up and have these, like, manipulations and these powers that were given to them by bison who ruined their lives destroyed their towns root wrecked their villages did all these different things and they had powers and they had different forms of training from the different areas of the world that they came from but now all of a sudden bison has re-emerged and so now all of a sudden they didn't like and like before the the whole plot gets going, it's like street scuffling and skirmishes and everything because who like they, they're genetic uh they they've been gen- genetically manipulated. They're kind of on the outcasts of society, so they have to fight in the streets for control of like what meager scraps they have. And then here now, at last, after five ten years, Bison has revealed himself again to the world, and they're like, "This is our chance. We know where Bison is." And so each of them individually is going to go get bison as a form of revenge for everything else that he did to them and their family and their town and their history. Yeah, I had a similar idea, but they were much older than kids. Like, not that bison gave them all their powers, but bison did something to each of them to warrant them wanting to come find him. Sure. But I like the idea that he kidnapped them as children and experimented on them because that gives all of the magic in Street Fighter a reason for existing. You can even throw it in that, like, Bison is revealing himself and setting himself up to be revenged against on purpose because he threw them away, but not really, because he wants to see which ones of them are the strongest. Okay, And so you can even have the competition thing that you talked about where each of them has to fight, like, they end up, like, getting manipulated to being in these one-on-one matches where they have Mm. to fight. I think you... That was something that was missing from Street Fighter. There yes. needed to be more one-on-one matches. There were some great ones, right. but I want more of those. And they do that in the Mortal Kombat movies. Yes, they do that really well in the Mortal Kombat movies, where there was a bunch of just one-on-one fights. And they don't have to be very long. You don't have to have the round two fight. I want someone to say round two at some point, though. It's, it's important. And the only time they say round two is if two people are fighting for the second time in the movie. Yes. Like, there needs to be a fight at the beginning of the movie where one of them wins and one of them loses, and then round two, and it's dramatic where the other one wins, and the yeah, yeah, yeah. What, the, the other guy loses. I agree, and I think Ken and Ryu need to fight at one point. Ken and Ryu need to fight, and it's like one of those things where they need to have, like, mirrored fighting, and they keep doing this. They, like, hadouken at each other, and it just, like, cancel each other out. They just punch each other in the fists kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I would be on board with that. You need to have that. They're palette swaps. They, I mean, they're just echo characters. Exactly. That's all it is. And so that's kind of, like, in my head, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Like, you cast charming, interesting people and put them in these combat situations as they move through the world. Right. And it's like you're slowly realizing that, like, Act 1 is them realizing, okay, Bison's reemerged. Every single one of them individually is realizing now's our chance for revenge to go get it or to, like, stop this eat. Some of them it's revenge. Some of them it's stopping Bison from hurting anyone else. Character from motivation, whatever. Whatever it takes. Act one is them is them realizing that Bison's around and them making their way to go fight Bison. Act two is realizing that Bison, th- that was his whole plan, and it's it's his, like, street fighter bracket in order to see them actually, who is the top, who, to, who actually truly is mm-hmm. his ultimate uh, soldier. And then act three is uh, them teaming up for real to actually take down Bison. See, and that leaves all the stuff that, all the cool stuff that Bison does where he's like, you earned the right to, you came all the way to fight me. Here's your chance. And yeah. It gives all of that, like, of credence and you can bring that back and all that kind of stuff. What Alex is referencing, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, is oh, there's yeah. a moment when, uh, so Bison captured a bunch of American soldiers and he takes a couple of them aside individually and says, you were fighting for this entire opportunity to come and get and kill me. Here's your opportunity. It's one-on-one. You can fight and kill me right now, so random soldier. And the random soldier's like, I guess. And so the soldier attacks, and then Bison just, like, one-shot kills snaps the soldier. Snaps his neck, yeah. He, snaps he just grabs, gra- grabs him and snaps his neck, throws him in the pit. Yep. And then he does that to the next guy. Yeah. And then, and then something happens, and he's like, the last guy was uh, was Blanca. Yeah. <laughs> turns out that Blanca is friends with uh, with Captain Guile. And so, Colonel Guile, excuse me. And right. 
so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do crazy experiments. I'm going to make him watch. <laughs> watch. I'm Bison, so I'm doing all of this because I'm a good guy. I'm going to make him watch all the evil things in the world while, while I manipulate his body. I love that. It's just like a hilarious like brainwashing technique. Yeah. Where he's like, here, you have to watch Hitler for no reason. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't remember what that character's name is. The Indian... Dalsim. Dalsim. Dalsim basically, like, is a scientist captured by Bison. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna make it so he's not truly evil. I'm gonna have him watch some good things. It's just, like, children happy. It's Martin Luther King Jr. (laughs) It's MLK. It's a happy family. Like, in the credits, it's, like, footage of Martin Luther King Jr. licensed from. And you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. They, like, draw attention to how much they use Martin Luther King in that. Yeah. Because this is what a truly good person is. Yep. I mean, they're not... They're not far off. Yeah, they're not far off. But it's a weird tactic. So Blanca is, like, half good and half evil at that point. And we never see him fight. Yeah. It's so weird. And especially because, like, Blanca's such an iconic Street Fighter character. Yeah. Of, like, you you get, like, five Street Fighter characters, Blanca's gonna be one of those that people think of. Even if they don't know his name, they know the green guy who shoots electricity. Ken, Ryu, Chun-Li, Blanca. Yeah, pretty much that. And then just, like, a random fifth one that no one... Like, it could be any of them. It's gonna be Bison or E-Honda, maybe. Yeah. There's, like, a handful. Right. But, no, but... It's, like, it's just so so iconic. And, like, everyone talks... Like, Blanca is one of the worst things in the movie. He just... He looks bad. It was a... He looks like the Incredible Hulk from the TV show. Yeah, he looks like... Well, he looks like the Incredible Hulk from the TV show mixed with Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you just put those two together, and that's Blanca in the movie. And then they painted him. (laughs) That... Yes, exactly. It's very weird. He doesn't even have, like, the electricity powers yeah no one has powers in this movie i understand that they couldn't give ken and ryu the hadouken like just because no one else was doing stuff but they have this perfect opportunity to have this thing with powers because they created it right and they don't even do it the first time we get powers is like in the middle of the fight between bison and captain colonel guile and bison's like losing the one-on-one so finally he's just like I'm a master of science. And he, like, clicks his boots and he can fly and he he can can shoot lightning. And and then he turns into Emperor Palpatine and starts shooting everybody. Absolutely. And it's amazing. It's a good moment. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I want... But but you also don't want to do the the Mortal Kombat thing where uh, whatever his face is learns he has dragon powers in the middle of the movie. And you're just like, oh, well, that's bad. Yeah, that was a swing and a miss kind of situation. Yeah. And not everybody in Street Fighter has powers. Like, Chun-Li doesn't have any powers. She's just really fast. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they're all super powered because no one can move that fast or jump that high kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. And, like, uh, Dalsim can, like, stretch his arms. Yeah, he's, he's very stretchy. And... And then, I'm trying to think of other, like, other characters with powers. I mean, at the end of the day, they're able to fight superheroes, so they need to be able to hold their own against Thor. Yep, pretty much. And so, like, whatever manipulation strength thing they have, like, that's sometimes power enough. Right. Like, Luke Cage-level powers. Yeah, they have... Or Captain America-level powers. Yeah. Like, that kind of level of, like, super soldier situation going right. on. which makes sense with the plot that we're coming up with. Yeah. What other elements of, like, story and plot were important to you in terms of, like, crafting our story? Um, I kind of threw out everything from the actual movie. And, like, the important plot points that I had were just, like, Ryu's master gets killed by Bison, because that's something from the game. Okay. And Chun-Li's... I think Chun-Li's family getting killed is from the game, too. It but, is. But, like, all, those are the kind of things that I kept. Just, like... Little things like that, but I don't even have I, I allegiance think, to keeping those. Well, no, because I think those are important because that's the backstory that you get mm-hmm. when Bison came in and kidnapped these children or, or adults or whatever, depending on who yeah. the cast. It fits with what you already said. Yeah, is kind of my point. It gives us the character motivation of, but it also gives the character motivation of some people use this as an opportunity to go out for revenge, and some people use it as an opportunity to be like, I don't want this to happen to anyone else. Yeah, and the, it's not strictly revenge motivated. And that could be, like, even the difference between Ken and Ryu. Ken's there to get revenge, and Ryu's there to make sure no one else has to deal with this ever again. Yeah, which is totally fair. Yeah. And that would 
that would mirror what they are in the movie. Maybe not the game, because I don't remember Ken's backstory in the game, but I'm pretty sure... They're they best were, friends! They're best friends and rivals, and I'm pretty sure they had the same master get killed by yeah. either Sagat or M. Bison, whichever was the bad yeah. guy at the time. So, I looked it up, and Sagat is the bad guy from the first Street Fighter game. Yes. And then Bison comes in and starts being the big bad later on. And it turns out Sagat was working for Bison, and then, or was working for Bison, and then Sagat ends up getting a, a redemption story, and Sagat ends up working for the good guys. Yeah, they all switch allegiances a bunch of times. Yeah. Like, Cammy, for example, gets brainwashed at one point after being brainwashed by Bison, so she's been brainwashed twice and is working with the good guys again. Amazing. Yeah. One of the other things that we talk about is that, like, because Bison is creating his own country and wants to take over the world, essentially, or, like, gain legitimacy for his country... No, he wants to take over the world. He wants to take over the world, And yeah. so, like, he starts printing his own currency with his own face on it, and he uses that to pay people. They don't and call him bison bucks. They don't call him bison bucks. In the movie, they refer to them as bison dollars. And I'm sorry, no. Yeah, no, it absolutely needs to be bison bucks. Like, And we need to keep that in this movie yes. as well. Like, that needs to be in there just as a form of redemption in that we call them bison bucks. Yes. And because it's an amazing moment at the end of the movie where, like, everything's falling apart. DJ decides, well, I don't need to stick here around for this. And he goes in, sneaks into bison safe, takes the, a big chest that must be full of amazing wealth, escapes with Sagat, and they finally open up the chest, and it's only full of bison bucks. Yep. And it's great. It's a good moment. It's It's so good. And that's a that's my favorite Sagat moment, because I'm glad he's still alive to be there for the next movie kind of situation. Yeah. It is genuinely an amazing Sagat moment. Yeah. Cool. I don't know what else to talk about in terms of plot. Like, it's a fairly simple plot thing, but there's so many characters. Yeah, it's not a plot movie. It is an, It should be, like, little bit of plot, action sequence, action sequence, action sequence, action sequence, little bit of plot, action sequence, yeah. action sequence. It's like a musical, but instead of songs, it's fighting. Yeah, that's exactly how it should be. Good. Okay. And there should be many songs and reprisals. Absolutely. Multiple. Yes. Every Multiple characters should have a round two moment. Yes. Uh, One character needs a round three moment, even, because yeah. that's how it will work. I mean, that can even be, like... One of the kids tried to fight Bison when Bison was showing up to kill Ryu's master or something. Sure. And the Bison just, like, says, no, and just smacks the smacks kid down. down. And that's the true round two. <laughs> but then Ryu loses again. So then finally, it's... And so now we're in Act 3. And at long last, Ryu's here. And Ryu's finally mastered the Hadouken and the Shoryuken. <laughs> and he's there to fight Bison. And now, round, round three. three. Fight! I, I mean, that's how it should go. Yeah. There needs to be that. The, it needs to have that camp. Yes. Uh, so when I was going through and doing this casting, I talked to you ahead of time about maybe doing some gender swaps, but it kind of doesn't work. I tried my hardest. I have one idea for a gender swap. But yeah. But we can get to that. I, I tried really hard. I couldn't do it. Because as you said, it's like, a lot of these characters are iconic as, like, this. And I don't necessarily subscribe to the, well, they're iconic as this, therefore they must be that way forever. Mm-hmm. I don't but. know. I, there is no but. I just couldn't find any uh, good people, necessarily. Like, I tried really hard to, to uh, gender swap Sagat, and I wasn't able to do it. Sagat was hard to cast for me. Yeah. Period. Sagat was hard for me to cast, too. And I definitely have someone for it, but we'll get there. Yeah. I also had a really hard time with Ryu and Ken, but we'll get to there, too. Because I think we should talk about them both at the same time. But let's talk yes. about Bison first. Start with Bison. All right. I'm not in love with mine, so I'll go first because I think yours might be better. I like mine. The thing about Bison is that Bison needs to have the crazy eyes yes. and needs to be incredibly charismatic. Mm-hmm. and have the ability to kind of do combat. So we need absolute charisma, we need crazy eyes, and we need someone who's like not afraid to embarrass themselves for, for the bit. Sure. And I had a really hard time casting that, because a lot of the people would be like two or three, because like, like we, we had Eggman in the Sonic movies, and that was really good, but he's not really a fighter in those movies. No. And like, so I wanted someone, and this is one of my two A-list castings... Because, again, how do you follow Brow Julia? You don't. But I went with Chris Pine. Interesting. Because he's in Into the Woods, and he's, from all all reports, is that he's a, a cool dude, a, a good, decent guy. Like, in mm-hmm. Into the Woods, one of my favorite stories is that when it wasn't his song, he stood there during the two full days of filming when he just needed to stand there, and they could have used a stand-in, but he stood there for the, for the, the lead actress, whoever it was in, Anna Kendrick or whatever, to, to sing against. 
he's like all the crazy Michigasa don't worry darling that's going on. Yeah. And then he's also going to be in the D&D movie. Yep. And that's like crazy stuff. And that's like the nerdy singing and like combat stuff that like, and he, he was in Wonder Woman, obviously. Yes. So like he can do all that sorts of thing. And so I thought Chris Pine is like, you know what? He would be, he would be a decent bison. I, I do agree he would be a decent bison. I like Chris Pine a lot, but I, I'm going to push back immediately because he's not old enough to be bison in this situation. Great. Who did uh, you have? I also went with another A-lister with crazy eyes who has the charm of the god, in my opinion, but that's Javier Bardem. I mean... I think he would be oh, an excellent M. Bison. Yeah, that's so much better. He's got the physique for it already. He he doesn't have to do all the flaily fighting, but he definitely would probably have fun with the role. That's so much better. I can't push back against that at, at all. He is also one of the only A-listers that I picked. One of, like, two or three. Ah, that's so good. Javier Bardem is such a good choice. I, I, that he was my first thought on um, when I was casting anyone. I was like, M. Bison should be Javier Perfect, because I had a really hard time coming up with Bison, and, and obviously Javier Bardem is absolutely correct. Yes, I think so, too. So the next person I have is Chun-Li, and Chun-Li, so I just did uh, Wandering Earth last week, and I used some of my, like, kind of go-to chat, like... The one of the actresses that I cast in that movie would have been the perfect person for me to cast here as Chun Li, but I literally used her for the last episode. And I was like, no, <laughs> damn it, because she would have been perfect. There's, uh, uh, I think her name is Natasha Lou Bardu or something. Like she would have been great, but I used her last week, so we can't. It's understandable. So I can't do that again. Uh, so I was, so I kind of went with like kind of the boring choice of like who would, yeah, Natasha Liu uh, Bordizzo, who would have been perfect, but. Can't, I couldn't go with her, so I went instead with kind of the basic, boring choice of Gemma Chan. Yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like, she would be good. She'd be perfect, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. She's a good actress. She's fun. She does a lot of, like, she can do comedy and drama kind of situation. She's been in action movies. She's been in plenty of stuff. The only thing I would say about the Chun-Li character is we don't need to just, like, give her the costume where it's just, like, a tunic and just legs. Yeah. Like, Gemma Chan's attractive. You don't need to be, like, attractive, but then, like, weirdly voyeuristic. Yeah, both of the girls in Street Fighter, which is Chun-Li and Cammy, are super overly sexualized. And yeah. we don't need to copy their costumes. We're not going to. Yeah, it's not. We can have, like, color codes and schematic where she's, like, wearing a blue shirt, but, like, Chun-Li's yes. gonna be in pants in this movie. She should... I would be fine if she had pants and then, like... And then that weird, like, yeah. tunic thing that she wears. Yes. But, like, put her in pants, I'm fine with that entirely. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. yeah, Gemma Chan. Nice, boring. Uh, so then we have Ryu and Ken. So, Alex. <laughs> who did you have for your Ryu and your Ken? Okay. Tell me your story. Tell me a story about what you did for these two. So, I went older with these two. I thought that these are the ultimate martial artists, so they can't be young. They've been okay. doing this for years and years and years and years and years kind of situation. That okay. was kind of my thought. And I went with two people who kind of looked alike, but not because they don't yeah. look alike. But I'll start with Ken, who I went with Charlie Hunnam. Okay. and uh, That's fun. He's just a fun casting for it. He, he, he does really action. Is. He's a funny guy. I think he's a good choice. And then Ryu, and apologies for any uh, mispronunciation of names... But I went with Tadanobu Asano, who he's, you would know him from Thor, is probably the thing. He's the, one of the Warriors 3, the Asian one, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hogan, I think his name is. He's been in a lot of things. But I... So how old are these two characters? Both of them are like upper 50s. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I will say that my two aren't that young, I, I, uh, they are probably the oldest of the people I'm casting. Okay. In the, like, fighter thing, but they're not that old. Sure. These are good choices, by the way. Charlie Hunnam especially, I think, is, is very clever. Yeah. Would he shave the beard? Because Ken doesn't have a beard. I think he would have to shave the beard, yeah. Alright. But he's been clean-shaven before. Yes. Like, pre-Sons of Anarchy, or whichever yeah. show he was on. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy. Yes. That's true. I mean, my Ken would also probably need to shave the beard that he almost certainly has, but is mostly well-known for not having the beard. So my first thought, because I, I had a really hard time with Ken and Ryu, my first mm -hmm. thought was, I was trying to think of people who could basically be palette swaps. Yes. So I was kind of just thinking of, like, the generic action fight guys. And, like, the kind of 
the my first thought that I ended up dismissing was Simu Liu and Henry Cavill. I thought Simu Liu for a while too. And it's like you put those two next to each other and they have very similar builds for reasons. Yes. <laughs> and like Henry Cavill is no stranger to having weird colored hair. Yeah, I was going to say he has to dye his hair, but he does He's that. done that. Well, not anymore. Apparently, uh, in season four of The Witcher or whatever. Mr. Hemsworth. Yeah, it's going to be uh, Liam Hemsworth. Oh, yeah. Not even the good Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, this is a completely tangent thought, but I was like, it's not even Lucas Hemsworth, who we love now after uh, 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 after The Good Place. Oh, The Good Place, right. And then my friends were like, no, that, that wasn't actually Lucas Hemsworth. They were doing a, a hypothetical extra Hemsworth. I was like, oh, that wasn't actually... Oh, because I thought that was actually Lucas Hemsworth playing the part of the uh, the guy T- uh, Tiana Tiani. I can't remember her name. I can't remember her name either. Oh God, Jamila Jamil. Jamila Jamil. <laughs> oh God, what was her name? This is this is unacceptable. Why can't I remember her name? I can't remember. Tahani. Tahani. I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before, but I heard someone talking about how the the only way to ever really know what it is like to be a ghost is to be listening to a podcast and have an answer to a piece of information that the hosts <laughs> don't, and to be screaming that information at them and they can't hear you. So for all of you who were screaming, Tahani, her name's Tahani, her name's Tahani Al-Jamil, I heard you. I didn't. You're not a ghost <laughs> for half of us. I heard nothing. Yeah. Shout louder next time. So, like, I thought uh, <laughs> I thought that was the actual, actual Lucas Hemsworth, but it turns out it wasn't. But, yeah, yeah, so, like, that was kind of, like, that was kind of the idea I had and then dismissed. And I was like, I think I can do a little bit better. These two are both super A-list. I, I think I can do better. I, I think I can do something different. So, my Ryu, I have 100% used before on the show, probably within the last few episodes, too. I don't even remember. But my Ryu... I love more now, just after having seen him in Everything Everywhere All at Once, where he's the Rakakui. Oh, okay, I know who you're uh, talking about. He's also in Shadowhunter Hunters. Mm-hmm. He was in the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sort of Destiny movie. It's Harry Shum Jr. Yes. He's great. Yeah, wonderful. He has exactly the kind of comedy we're looking for, and he has the combat experience. Yes. So that's Ryu, but then who do we pair with him? And so I looked it up, and Harry Shum Jr. is surprisingly 40 years old. Really? Yeah. I was shocked. Huh. And so I wanted to find someone who was, like, equivalent age. Because, like, kind of growing up, same time, they would have been partners, like, yeah. at, the, at the thing. Or not partners, but, like, training partners. Yeah, rivals. And so I found someone who was 40 years old, blonde. Good. Has the fighting experience, and was, I mean, he was in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but more importantly, he was the lead of Arrow for years and years and years. <laughs> so I went with Stephen Amell. I like that. And so... Like, Harry Shum Jr. paired with Stephen Amell, that's a fun dynamic. That's a fair, that's a good pairing. And they they both can be funny. They both have shown comedic chops multiple times. And so, I would push us towards these two. I I definitely agree with Harry Shum Jr., just because I, I think that's a good choice. Uh, the thing is, I love Charlie Hunnam. If Charlie Hunnam is in his 40s, I would happily go with Charlie Hunnam. I was gonna say, maybe we do Harry Shum and Charlie Hunnam, but Harry Shum just looks so much younger than Charlie Hunnam. Here's the thing. What what are your, is your guess about Charlie Hunnam's age? 48. Okay. He's 42. Jesus Christ. We can absolutely <laughs> go with Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, let's do that. I love Stephen Amell, don't get me wrong, but oh, he yeah. plays a straight man very often. That's very funny. I thought he was so much older. <laughs> yeah, like, oh yeah, he's the same age as the 65-year-old. No. I thought so. I no. genuinely did. Yeah, no, he's uh, surprisingly younger than you'd think. Uh, <laughs> Harry Shum is surprisingly older than I think. Yeah, so this worked out great. That's very fun. That is great. But Ryu was the hardest time casting for oh me. Oh my god. I thought Simulu for a while, and then I was like, but he's specifically Chinese, and Ryu is specifically Japanese, so I tried is to he? like... Is yeah. he? Is that... That's is... it from Shang-Chi. That's how I know it. But it doesn't matter too much. Yes, you're correct. Yeah. Actually, I don't think Harry Shum Jr. is Japanese either. But yeah, Ryu was the most difficult casting, because he needs to be basically the lead. Yeah, Harry Shum Jr. is uh, Costa Rican-born. He's Chinese-American. And I cast him because I thought Ryu was Chinese. I made a mistake. If we're able to come up with someone else who is Japanese to play Ryu, great. Uh, If not, Harry Shum Jr. will work, but he is supposed to be Japanese, so we may have to come up with someone else. We can think about that. Yeah. Should we move on to 
the next character? Yes, we should. Who do you have next? Colonel Guile. Okay. Who I don't see as being the lead. No, he shouldn't be. But he can be here. Yeah. So I'm going to make you go first because I have a, a left field choice for this. I have two names. One of them that I actually want and the other one that the internet wants more than anything. That's right. So you told me before we started recording that one of the things you did was you came up with a list and then went for like the internet dream casting for a lot yeah, of Yeah, I looked in to see what other people were saying. Which is smart and clever and I didn't even consider doing that. So tell me about who you have... Tell, tell me first about who the internet wants to be Colonel Guile. Um, it's a pretty obvious choice. I almost want you to guess, but I feel like that might take forever. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, it's the main man, John Cena. Everyone wants him to be Guile. Yeah, I, that makes I sense. Yeah, I can see that too. I I went away from that just because John Cena's in everything. He is hilarious and he does have the action experience. So like, I would be on board if someone said, hey, Guile's going to be played by John Cena in the movie. I'd be like, yes, that's great. Yeah. But who I want is Timothy Oliphant. Okay. You all, again, older. Older guy. And this one makes even more sense as an older guy, because he's a colonel in the military. That is true. What's your guess for his age? Uh, 52? 54. Okay. A lot closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's got the action chops. He's definitely very funny. And I think he'd be a good guile. That is almost certainly true. So my Colonel Guile was tough. Because I almost intentionally went down a really weird left field pick. Okay. Because Colonel Guile is in Street Fighter. He's the American. Yep. I mean, I don't know where Ken's supposed to be from. Also America, but not the same Right. So, exactly. So I wanted someone who's like the most American of American guys. Like, quintessential American. So I cast a Native American. Oh, uh, I like he's that. in Reservation Dogs. He's in Murdoch Mysteries. He's in Creeped Out. He is probably the youngest of everyone that I have cast because I think he's nineteen or twenty. But his name is Defero Woon Atai. And who are we enlisting in our military these days? Lower teenagers. Teenagers. Yep. Lower income teenagers. And uh, I think Defero Woon Atai would be a de- a decent Colonel Guile. And I think he'd be Reservation Dogs is a comedy. And I think it'd be the sort of fun, sort of, like, left-field pick to be like, yeah, this is America. Is he the the main kid from Reservation Dogs? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) I've seen the show, but I don't remember much of it. Uh, I just, so he's funny, but he is, if he's who I'm thinking of, he's very small, skinny. He is very skinny. Yes. But I think he's very skinny because he's young. Yeah. Yeah, that's the main character. That is the main character? Okay, great. Or the... Main protagonist. Sure, sure, it's, sure. it's an ensemble show. Right. Uh, but yeah. So. I like the idea. Yeah, it's, it, it, we, we went with two very different things. I'm perfectly happy to come back and go with whichever one of us has less. Sure. But I would push us towards a fair win a tie just because, it's, I mean, we don't, we weirdly don't have that many white people in this, but why not have less? Sure. And because I think you might get some of the next ones we're going with. We can put a put a little put a potential pin. Yeah, in it. put a pin in that, and I, I'm fine with either choice. Cool. I just we just went basically opposite directions with Very it. Very much so. But let's yeah. talk about Cami. All right. So you went first to the last one. So my Cami is I basically just found a, a blonde stunt woman. Fair enough. And this is the stunt woman who's been in so many things. She was. She's done DC things. She's done Marvel things. She's mm-hmm. in Terminator Dark Fate. She's done so much. This stunt woman is named Amy Johnston. I can't say I'm familiar with her, but like I get it. I know about her from the like the stunt woman react thing that Corridor okay, crew yeah, did. Yeah. It's like those YouTube videos. Like she was like the first one. Got it. Okay. Then I have seen her before. Mm-hmm. I I went with more of a, a name, but definitely an older name. Okay. Again, sorry for pronunciation, but it's Yvonne Strahal. Strahovski. She was... Spell Yvonne. Y-V-O-N-N-E. She's from Chuck. She's from Dexter. She's one of those people that you might recognize from a bunch of random movies here and there, but she's done action, she's done comedy, and she's blonde. It's kind of where I went with it. You know what might be fun? Let If we pair her with Deferro Wunatai. Sure. Because that's... It's the two military people, right? Yeah. So they're going to be a pair regardless... 
Mm-hmm. She's much older than him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But, like, we can flip it so that, like, it's Colonel Cammy and Guile. Sure. I like that. Make her Colonel Cammy. Make her his boss. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Let's do that. And I like her a lot. I think she's been great in the things I've seen her in and would like to see her in more stuff. And also, we need to cast women over 40 more often. I agree with you. Good. I I like that. I think that's... Th- good choice. Yeah, thank you. And I like the idea of making her the colonel instead. Yeah. So that she's not just the secretary or yeah. some bullshit. Right. And, like, like literally, uh, Tefero Wunatai can be, like, her... Her... Mentee. Mentee. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. I was like, ward isn't the right word. <laughs> but that's the only one that was coming to me. <laughs> He's her Robin to her yeah, Batman. Yeah, basically, yes. Good. Let's do that. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Let's talk about Honda. Uh, E-Honda, yes. My Honda is... There's absolutely no way we did the same person. Because my Honda is not Japanese. Oh. He's not Hawaiian. Ooh. And he's not a fighter. Ooh. He's just a comedian guy who's large. <laughs> he's just on the heavier side, and he's just very funny. Fair enough. Yeah. So... I guess I'm talking, so I'll keep talking. Um, I know him because he was a contestant in Taskmaster New Zealand Season 3. I've never seen the New Zealand Taskmaster before. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> and so he's one of the contestants in Season 3, and he's so funny. And you know how sometimes like a contestant reveals themselves as being like the smart one? Sure. He's the smart one, and then but alternatively does things that are so wildly dumb. And one of the things that the original Street Fighter movie did is it was like... There, there's the stereotypical caricatures of these characters that exist, mm-hmm. and we can kind of go and shift that from the West. And I know Honda is supposed to be a like, it, it, like is a sumo wrestler. Yes, there aren't really any sumo wrestler actors, and so like nope. I, short of sitting down and actually doing a casting call, which I'm not capable of doing. Yeah, I was like, I wanted to cast a more heavy set comedian, and Josh Thompson has Tongan and ancestry. Okay. And uh, so he is, like, First Nations. The show that he's in that anyone listening might have seen him in is he's in the Young Rock show. I have not seen that show. And but... I I, wa- I went to that, that list of cast specifically because I was looking for a more heavy set actor. Mm-hmm. Because in the movie that as exists now, it's he's not Japanese. He's Hawaii. a Samoan and is a heavy set actor. So I was like, heavy, let's this young rock, which is about a, a, a Samoan guy growing up. Let's pick a heavy set person from that cast. And it was Josh Thompson. I was like, well, well, Josh Thompson, that's amazing. <laughs> he's not Hawaiian, but he's, ta- he's Tongan and it's great. Yeah, it works. Yeah. I, I almost like yours more than mine. Full honesty. I almost just copped out and wrote actual sumo wrestler. That's yeah, fair. That's what I wrote down. But then I looked up an actual sumo wrestler who recently retired, who wants to get into movies. And his <laughs> name is Kisinatsu. Kesenosato Yutaka. He's just a sumo wrestler. I know nothing more about him other than that. Got it. I, I see who you're talking about. Yeah. He was very famous for sumo wrestling in Japan. Ihonda's supposed to be Japanese. I'm yes. fine with changing his nationality to Tongan or something like that. Just because it's a very smaller... Ethnic, smaller ethnicity is not what I mean. A, a, a smaller ethnic group? Yeah, a smaller ethnic group. If we go with Josh Thompson, we then definitely have to go and find a Japanese actor to, to play Ryu. Sure. And I think we should do that regardless. Sure. I, I agree. Uh, but then let's go with Josh Thompson. That's fun. I'm fine with that. We support comedians. Yeah, I like comedians. Let's talk about Zangief. Ooh, I like my Zangief. Tell me about your Zangief. Okay. So... Zangief, I cast a man who's known as the Eagle in the MMA world. His name is Khabib Nurmagomedov. He's a Russian dude who has a temper problem, but hasn't, he's only fought actual, like, other MMA people, so he doesn't have the controversies of other MMA people. He's a big dude. Is he? He's pretty big. He competes in the lightweight division. Those are still bigger than most of us. I mean, look, you and I can't compete in any of these games. Yeah, that's true. He's jacked is what I mean. Oh, I can see the picture. He's clearly jacked. Yes. As long as we're talking about jacked people, I once again uh, pulled in friend of the show who's never been on the show but has contributed a lot, <laughs> uh, my friend Cam, who knows wrestlers very well. Sure. And I said, Cam, I need to cast Zangief. I need a Russian guy or someone to play this Russian guy 
who would you think is the perfect response to that? He said, immediately, Miro. So this is a wrestler name who, whose wrestling name is Miro, but his actual name is Miroslav Barnyeshev, who is a Bulgarian-American professional wrestler who once rode a tank into a match. I love that. So I will be upfront with you. When I looked up people, this was one of the people in Dreamcasting that showed Was up. he actually? Yes. Oh, okay. So do we want to go with what the internet said? Sometimes. Maybe in this situation, because Khabib is hard to... Or is a... You know, I'm fine with either or. Let I'll me look up way. one thing. Alright. That's actually not a big difference. Their height, their size? I, I literally was went to look up their height. So your MMA fighter is 5'10". And Miroslav Barnyashev is six foot even. Yeah. If he was like six three, six four, it would have been really easy. But six on the dot isn't that much larger. Wrestlers in MMA people tend often are smaller than you think they are. Yeah. It's a thing. Like it's one of those. My one of my favorite pictures online is looking at the Rock next to NBA players just to see how tiny that guy is compared to like Charles Barkley. Oh yeah. It's it's a very funny picture. That is very funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to look that up now. I also like the idea of Zangief being Bulgarian and not strictly Russian. So he's Ottoman is a thing in the game. He's oh. he's from Russia. He's allegiant to the KGB, but he is an Ottoman person. Really? Yeah, it's something I learned doing this. This is how I found that out. Oh yeah, I didn't even bother looking it up. I didn't like I looked up nationalities for most of the characters and then obviously got Ryu wrong. But I like I didn't even bother with Zangief because like you think of Zangief as being like the most Russian Russian who ever Russian. He is the most Russian Russian. He just was taken from a different country and made to be more Russian. That's wild. It is ridiculous. Where's your MMA fighter from? He's Russian. He's Russian Russian, yeah. I had cast him before I even looked up the Ottoman thing and then I was like, "Well, I can't find anyone from Turkey now." Yeah, that's that's crazy. It's ridiculous. Street Fighter is such a multi-ethnic game, but for no, but it's just so we can do stereotypes. Yeah, it's just for the racism. For it's a lot just of for it. the racism. <laughs> I don't know what to do in this situation. We'll come back to it. Yeah, let's talk about Balrog. Yes, Balrog. We're probably gonna end up going with yours because you said you were gonna try and find an actual like boxer. I have three options for Balrog. Okay, I went with another stuntman. He was in MCU things. He's in Pacific Rim. He's done a bunch of stuff. I'm going to pronounce his first name wrong. I think it's Guy De Silva Green. Okay. Who I also know from the stuntmen react to yeah, yeah, yeah. Corridor Crew thing. And he's he's a good fighter. He's an amazing stuntman. He'd like to the point where he's now like a stunt coordinator and like he can help like like do fights and stuff. But like I think he'd be an, an excellent Balrog. Sure. I, I think stunt I guys would be perfect for almost any roles yeah. in these. And I've seen it like I've seen interviews with this guy and I've seen like things with him and he's like clearly Super nerdy and charismatic, which is the sort of thing that you want in a performer. Yes. But that's who I had, but I'm assuming we'll go with one of yours. So I tried to find an actual boxer, and for whatever reason, finding a a black boxer who is that size right now is very... Who also acts. Who also acts. It's, it's very so hard. hard. It's yeah. just not... I did try, and I couldn't do it. I, I was having a lot of trouble with that. So what I ended up with is really a mix of one of two people. I like the idea of casting Makad Brooks... He's uh, from Supergirl and Mortal Kombat. He's Jimmy Olsen in Supergirl. Oh, okay. But he is huge now. He, like, put on, like, 50 pounds of muscle for Mortal Kombat. Who did he, he play in Mortal Kombat? Jax, the guy with, who loses his arms. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he was, he's the thought that I have, like, if we wanted, like, an actor. But then I changed my mind and went with a guy, Trevante Rhodes. He plays Mike Tyson in the TV show Tyson on Hulu. He looks like Mike Tyson. Balrog is based off Mike Tyson. And he was a... I mean, he was a good actor in that show, if you've seen it. And then that sounds he like knows we, how to box. It sounds like we have to go with Trevante Rhodes, then. I think that's the right pick. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, he knows how to box. It's based off the guy already. Mike Tyson's a bad person, but... But the guy portraying him isn't. Exactly. Great. Trevante Rhodes is absolutely the right call good good pick again that thank you very well done thank you thank you cool then i have sagat uh yes i have a sagat too this was one of the last things i was able to come up with so sagat is supposed to be thai 
Yes. And I could not find a Thai actor in this demographic who could potentially play this role. I had the same problem. It was ridiculous. I, I couldn't do it. I ended up finding a different stunt guy who kind of fits the build and the age. Okay. And I don't know. It, like I kind of like picture him being like uh, an early... An er- early movie, like end of act one, villain that they have to get past. Makes sense. And so this performer, I don't even know if he speaks, but he's, uh, I don't even know necessarily his nationality, like beyond the fact that he's Canadian. Sure. But this performer's name is Daryl Kwan. He's yeah. a stuntman. He was uh, in, he was like a stuntman in Snake Eyes. He was in War for the Planet of the Apes. He was in Power Rangers. Sure. He's done a lot of the stunt stuff, like in terms of like his face being on camera, I think he played Genghis Khan in the Night of the Museum movies. So, I don't know. I think he'd be a good Sagat, but I'm, I'm definitely open to other options. I went with, uh, again, I'm going to mispronounce names, but Withaya Pansi Nigyam. He's not, like, a well-known actor, but he is a martial artist. Who is 63 years old. So he's the age that I was looking for. He is Thai. From Thailand. So like not. He's just like the right look is what I was going for is basically it. An older dude who knows how to fight. It's basically what it came down to. And he is a Thai actor. Yes. We gotta go with him then. Because that's absolutely correct. And representation matters. Great. Vithya Pansingran are. Pansringarm. Pansringarm. Something. Yeah. Something like that, I hope. But this was the hardest casting choice, for sure. And you... I'm genuinely impressed you found someone because I couldn't do it. It took a while. And that needs to be rewarded by using your person. I appreciate it. Cool. Then I had DJ left. Did you have anyone else other than DJ? I... Oh, you had uh, Blanca. I have Blanca and Dulcim. I didn't even do DJ. Oh, Okay. So let's do, so basically my idea for Blanca, because Blanca's so iconic, but it's also like a monster, is that mm-hmm. Blanca would just be like fully CGI. Sure. But I guess you gotta kind of have someone to do the mocap for that CGI, so that makes sense to have somebody. Yeah, I, this was also one of those like, I'm just gonna go with it, but for Blanca, when I looked up the dream castings, everybody also said this. Oh, And I was just okay. like, okay, I'll go with that. And that's Dave Batista. Fine. Yeah, it's kind of just, like, the right... Like, we talked about it when we were doing it, when we were watching the movie, that Blanca could be, like, the end credit scene, basically. Yeah. And, like, that would be a good tease to have a Dave Bautista type be the end credit Easter egg. Yeah, and I think Dave Bautista would just be really good at it. He'd have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, which is the most important thing. Yes. Yeah, great Dave Bautista. he's a wrestler, he's done all these movies. Yeah. So, uh, DJ is... Uh, a Jamaican character in mm-hmm. the the movie. So I tried to find a Jamaican character and I found someone who is basically just an incredible accomplice. I, I have, I saw him in the West wing. I haven't watched the wonder years reboot, but he's in it. I, I haven't seen ballers, but he's in it. But most importantly, he's in psych. Okay. And that's Dulé Hill. Okay. And like, you I think like of Dulé Hill. someone who's just been like, yeah, I'll go along with whatever you say. Let's get this thing done. That's DJ. Yeah. Yep, so... I'm, I'm on board with that at all. Entirely. Uh, cool. So then who did you have for Dalsim? So this is where things get interesting, because I have two names, because I thought Dalsim was the easiest one to gender flip. Oh, great. I, then, le- then no questions asked, let's do the gender flip. Sure. I genuinely wrote Jamila Jamil. <laughs> I wanted somebody with straight comedic chops, somebody who's very funny... And, and who now has that action background yeah. in that, because she's Titania. Yeah, she's, she had basically no fight scenes, but whatever. She got kicked in the chest once. <laughs> That's true. And then uh, she was on the other side of a wall that got knocked over. Yep. That's basically it. Yeah, that's good enough. But she can do it. It's also very funny to cast a very tall woman as the person who can stretch. Yes, that was part of my look. I was looking for someone who was, like, lanky. And that's hilarious. I think Jamila Jamil is a really good choice for that. Yeah, thank Great. you. Great. Good. So now... We need to find Ryu. Yes. See, I always find it funny when I Google, like, Japanese actors or something like that, because then it just gives me a list of, like, top 20 sexy Japanese actors in America. And I'll get, like, the, historically, the best Japanese actors who've ever shown shown up in anything. So now we have, like, 
Darren Barnett, who was in Never Have I Ever. Okay, I found someone. Alright. So, this is a Japanese and English performer. He has been a stuntman. Most recently, he was Kimura in Bullet Train. He was also in a show called Warrior, but he was also in Peaky Blinders. He was in American Gods, The Innocents. He was in Jade Dragon and Call the Midwife, which is a British show. Yes. This is a performer named Andrew Koji. Okay. And he is 36. Fair enough so age range. Within the range of Charlie Hunnam, like within six years of Charlie Hunnam. And so I think Andrew Koji, since Ryu is Japanese, is who we should probably go with. He's got the stunt experience, the acting experience. I think he's the right call. I am on board with this. Okay. Cool. Oh, he was also in uh, Snake Eyes. Oh, who was he in Snake Eyes? Storm Shadow, the the okay. rival of Snake Eyes. There you go. Yeah. The other guy with swords. Pretty much, yeah. Um, okay, great. Then we have our casting, and we just have to decide on which Zangief we're going with. I have gotten... I'm not counting Andrew Koji. One, two, three, four. And you've gotten one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We can go with your Zangief. We're going with uh, Miroslav Banyashev. <laughs> All right. And I like the idea of doing more wrestlers in it. So. Yeah. I mean, whenever I need, like, a big guy, I just text Cam, like, Cam, I need a big guy. <laughs> and I'm always expecting him to just give me the same name, but it's always different. There's so many wrestlers. There's an insane amount of wrestlers. And I am uh, prepared to admit that. <laughs> so now we got to talk about writer and director. Yes. So I have a writing team and a separate director. So I have a directing team and then a writing team, but the directing team could also be the writing team. I'll put it that way. Okay, fair enough. Let's do my writing team, and then we'll do the writer that you have, mm-hmm. and then we'll do we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. So my writers are if there's a if I shy away from doing a list actors, these are definitely a list writers. There's Somers and McKenna. They did the Tom Holland Spider Man movies. Yeah. They did Community, but I went with them specifically because they did the the new Jumanji movie. Yes. Welcome to the Jungle, because that's almost exactly the tone we're going for. And they've written action movies before because they've done the Spider-Man movies. So I'm like, yeah, they would probably be correct slash... They would certainly be the writers Hollywood would go to. Yeah. I I went with the writers of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Somers and McKenna. Oh, <laughs> weird. That's, I guess that's who we should go with. I guess it's a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Amazing. Way to... Way to low-key play that. That was very good. Thank you. Yeah, that was excellent. Okay, cool. But it was for the same reason. They did Community, they did the Jumanji movie, yeah, and they did Spider-Man. They're the right and people. I was like, these are the guys I want to write this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was looking it up, because I looked up specifically because of Jumanji, and I was like, well, they did all these other things. Yep. Guess that's who it is. It's a good, just a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, who do you have as your director? All right, I went with the Daniels. Daniel Kwan and Scheinert. They directed Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, interesting. And uh, Swiss Army Man is their other movie. Oh. And then a bunch of music videos and a bunch of really fun things. Huh. That's an interesting choice. I agree that the director does need to be someone whose name is Dan. But not those. <laughs> Alright. I went with uh, the director of... Like, he did an episode of Black Mirror. He's a big director on The Boys. And he also directed Prey. Okay. Uh, I went with Dan Trachtenberg. I love Prey. And I love the boys, so... So what I was doing when I was looking all this up is I was trying to find, even though we're incorporating actual superpowers into this, I was trying to find more hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. And that's really what Prey is, is like the on-the-ground, like actual like fighting, setting traps, all the different things. Yes. And then he's also done the boys where they there is superpowers, but there's also the people who don't have the superpowers. Yeah, there's a lot of hand-to-hand combat and in the boys. And weirdly enough, in the boys, there is some street fighting. Yeah, way more street fighting than in Street Fighter. Which is wild. And so that's why I, I thought Dan Trachtenberg would be good. I think that's a good choice. I'm I'm fine with that, especially since we went with the same screenplay people. and Which is hilarious. And the Daniels both do their own screenplay most of the time anyways. Yeah. So I had originally been like, they'll do both. And then I was like, no, I want to find some screenplay people yeah. specifically. Yeah, all right, cool. The yeah. important thing is that it is a Dan. Yeah, Either as way. long as there's a Dan As long involved. as it's a Dan. <laughs> Good. All right, cool. That is Street Fighter, a movie yeah. that I pushed off for so long because I thought that it would be an overwhelming cast. And it was. It was, Yeah, this cast was very hard. But we did it. We did. Street Fighter 2023. Bison is going to be played by Javier Bardem. Because yeah. it's perfect. Chun-Li will be Gemma Chan. 
which is blandly perfect. Oh, yeah, I forgot that we both had that, so I, like, I counted that for mine and not for yours. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, Ryu is Andrew Koji. Ken is going to be Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. Guile, we... Guile will be Deferro Winatai. Yes. Colonel Kami will be Yvonne Strahovski. Honda will be Josh Thompson. Zangief will be Miroslav Barnyashev. Balrog will be Trevante Rhodes. Yeah. Blanco will be Dave Batista. Dalsim will be Jamila Jamil. Sagat will be uh, Vithaya Pansing, uh, Pansring Arm. DJ will be Dulé Hill. All of this will be written by the writers of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Eric Summers <laughs> and Chris McKenna. And then directed by Dan Trachtenberg. That is Street Fighter. That's Street Fighter. Alex, are you going to watch this movie? I would watch this movie. Yeah. I absolutely would. Seems like fun. All right, cool. Alex, thank you so much for doing yet another video game movie with me. Of course. Tell me, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at on Instagram at Food and Hippos, all one word. Which is amazing. And uh, that's really about it. Do you have anything you want people to do, to, like, other than following you on Instagram? Oh, uh, check me out every Friday night at Flappers Comedy Club, doing stand-up comedy. Yeah. yeah. What time at Flappers Comedy Club? 11 p.m. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> cool. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can uh, follow me at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H, or you can follow the podcast at Ideal Remake on Twitter or Instagram, or join us on Facebook at Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. Or jump on the Discord, because there are so many different people in Street Fighter, and I'd love to know who did you like to play as when you played Street Fighter. Or, like, if you were playing Mortal Kombat, or if you were also a Tekken person and you liked playing as Jack, we need to be friends. Or if you were a Soul Calibur fan, hit me up. That's right. I mean, I don't think of Soul Calibur as being, like, an arcade cabinet thing. It was, though. Was it? Yeah. It started as an arcade cabinet, and then it became a... did not know that. Yeah. Wild. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I just think of Soul Calibur as being like a like an Xbox, PlayStation kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it became. Huh. Cool. All right. And if you would like to do something wonderful heading into the holiday season for Ideal Remake, I'd love it if you went on to Apple Podcast and left a five-star review. It's one of the nicest things you can do for any podcast. So just sit and go through and leave us all five-star reviews. It helps new people find the show, and it's incredibly appreciated. And because Ideal Remake is part of the Dueling Genre Network, I always talk about one of the other Dueling Genre shows. And this week, I'm going to talk about the Protagonist Podcast, which is hosted by Joe Dorowski. And every week on Monday, Joe and his guest will discuss a discussed will discuss a great <laughs> character in a great story. Movies, comic books, TV shows. They've done Watership Down. They did Storm from X Men with with Chris Claremont was on the show to talk about Storm. That's They've cool. done a bunch of Christmas specials and stuff. It's uh, yeah. You want to talk about protagonists? You got to check out the protagonist podcast. So, Alex, you have successfully completed another ideal remake episode. Yes. So tell me, we will end this episode the way we always do. What is your favorite quote from the movie Street Fighter? For me, it was a Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> like it's so good. It's the greatest line ever written. It's the greatest line ever written. It's like as the line's happening, I'm like, he's doing it. He's saying the thing. It was very fun to realize, oh, right, that came from this terrible movie. That came from this movie. And, like, there's a lot of other movies where they're trying just as hard to give a line. But, like, that line is so exquisitely perfect. It's such a... It's just, like, the all-encompassing of everything about M. Bison in one line, too. Ah, it's so good. And Raul Julia is... He delivers it. So perfect. Magnificently. Magnificently. Like, that's a line that's so good... Not only has it transcended the movie, we need to have that line in this movie. The, the, it needs to be in everything Street Fighter related moving Correct. forward. Correct. It's, oh my god. That should be the name of the training exercises in the Street Fighter game. It should only be, Tuesday? It's on Tuesday. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Good. All right. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. <laughs>